Hello, I'm Paul Kitkat. And I'm Chalice Croke. This is the next podcast in our series, 168 Things We've Learned About Creative Marketing and We Think You'll Find Useful to Know. We're recording these in our home studios, so we are socially distant, but mentally present. Uh, please excuse any stray noises you might hear, given the setup that we're using, or any oddness in the sound quality. Okay, enjoy the podcast. Hello, Chalice. Hi, Paul. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, it's a beautiful sunny day here. Yeah, it's lovely and sunny here. Apparently going to get even warmer tomorrow. Yes, I hear. We're in for a good weekend. So I saw a swift today. Oh, how lovely. That always means we're in for better weather. Yep, summer is on the way. Yeah. Anyway, today we're going to do number one in our series of podcasts, having done number 55 as our starting point last time. And number one is, it's, this is really for people who are looking, as we always are in creative marketing, people who are looking for new clients, and we would call them prospects. And while we were doing that in the early days of KitKat nor Alexander Shaw, it occurred to me that there was a rule that we should apply, which is treat your prospects like customers and treat your customers like prospects. So let's dig into that. That's a really good rule, Paul, because prospects often come to the organisation because they already understand the experience and the services that are on offer. But what yeah. they want to find out is what would it be like to work with those people? That's exactly right. One of the things that we always used to say as well was people by people. And I don't think that's an original thought, but it's very true. Yeah. And chemistry meetings are commonplace. But as we know, they can be quite formal or they can even be quite short. Well, they used not to be as formal. They used to be real chemistry meetings where you'd get to know each other. And then somehow, and I think the intermediaries may have had a hand in this, they became more and more planned occasions. And mm. you end up with a meeting where you show a whole load of PowerPoint slides. And I remember emerging from one and the client actually hadn't said anything very much after hello. So we had no idea what they were like. Um, they may have had an idea about, about what we were like, but it was not really chemistry. Absolutely. And I've been a client service person. I've been an account manager and a client partner. But also, for many years in my operational role, I've been a customer. Mm. And I've always been interested to know how comfortable will I feel when I'm around these people? What are they like? How flexible might they be? And also, how fun will it be? Because a working relationship isn't always just about work, as we know. Well, fun is really important, isn't it? Because if you're going to pick up the phone and talk to someone... If you don't really like them or know them very well, there's not much of an incentive to talk to them. No, and it's important to keep it real because it's much easier if we can talk to people as people. And the formality that comes into play sometimes kills the relationship. Do you remember the rise and fall of Reggie Perrin? Kind of. Do you... <laughs> <laughs> he had a very irritating brother, and I think it was his brother-in-law, who looked like a, a, a university lecturer from the Open University. Yeah. You call that to mind. And he used to say, I'm a people person, Reggie, a people person. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about just very quickly, treating your prospects like customers means not showing up in the most expensive clothes that you own and boring the prospect to death with 80 different PowerPoint slides and boasting about how brilliant you are. Mm. That is not the way to start a relationship and make yourself interesting and get to know someone, is it? No. Everyone does that. That's that's very dull. 
I've got a story here that I used to tell. Um, people knew that we had Waitrose as a client. I'm moving forward a bit in time here. Mm. And they're always interested to hear about that. And we did have various case studies, and mm. they were great. But the story that always used to get prospects really interested was when I said to them, do you have a My Waitrose card? And they'd say, yeah. And they'd quite often pull it out. And I'd say, well, we launched My Waitrose. We did the branding. We we worked with the client on the idea, everything. Mm. And then I'd share the, we'd look at the logo, which is an M and a W. I remember I, it. I produced it. Yes, you did. And I'd tell them how it came about. And, and the story is that John Shannon, brilliant art director, he was given the task of coming up with the logo. He covered his living room floor with sugar paper, and he and his son spent the weekend making various different coloured sauces with chocolate and fruit and all sorts of things, and then dribbling it onto the paper in the shape of the M and W. And at the end of the weekend, they'd come up with the logo that is now on every My Waitress card that anyone has ever owned. And when I tell people that, they have this, they always love it because they can see that here's somebody who's really involved with the brand because Waitress is very much about food and he, you know, he'd done a lot of cooking to come up with the logo. Mm. And the idea of him crawling around on his living room floor with his son is just great. And it is exactly what happened. And that's a human story. And then we can go on to tell them about the huge success of the My Waitress scheme. But the, the thing that they really love is that image of him and this six-year-old child dribbling sauce onto paper. Yeah, it's a real story. It's wonderful. Yeah. So that, to me, is treating your prospects like customers because you're just basically telling them, stuff having a chat telling Mm. them interesting things agree and in the beginning we um, have a tendency to really express what it might be like with us in terms of service and how we might keep the standards high and without going into too much detail about governance and process which is um, something as we all know I enjoy um, we tend to really set the bar quite high in the beginning of um, prospecting and we often go above and beyond what um, we need to in order to sell the process and those kinds of um, aspects of a relationship but people dynamics are massively important and being real and talking to people in a real sense is terribly important and I remember going out um, for dinner with um, a, a prospective partner, um, supplier, and really having a great time because we didn't talk about work at all. We talked about lots of other interests and it made for a far more dynamic relationship. And it's these types of things that I think make prospect-customer relationship really important. I was going to say that if we think about treating your prospects like customers and your customers like prospects. Mm. The one thing that it seems to me happens all too frequently is when you're in front of a prospect, you listen really hard to what they're saying because you want to try and understand what the problems are that they might be having, what what they need, what they're not getting, and see if you can come up with solutions for them. Mm. And you listen actively. And we've got a podcast about listening coming up later on in the series. But this is important because what then happens is as you get more used to your client or your customer and the the relationship becomes perhaps a little more stale and you start to perhaps take each other a little bit for granted, you don't listen Mm. as much 
as you used to. And obviously, when people feel they're not being listened to, it breeds some resentment. Mm. And then the next thing that happens is the client comes along and says, you're not paying attention to me. I want this. I want that. I want the other. And then the, and then what agencies are quite inclined to do is make a load of promises and they make them up on the spot and they don't necessarily record what they are. And so a month later, the client's thinking, well, they promised to do this, that and the other, and they haven't done any of it. And so I now feel like I've got an agency who will say anything, promise everything and do nothing. Yes, that's quite common. We're very keen to demonstrate how we can add value. And overall, we're enthusiastic people. But sometimes that can get us into a spot of bother with with service levels. Yeah, it's called making up shit in the meeting. Yeah, promising the moon on the stick and not delivering it. Yeah. And I think it's worth um, saying that we go to great lengths to establish a relationship. And during the course of the relationship, service levels slip sometimes due to things that are outside our direct control, but we can Mm. influence them. Things like budgets change, and Mm. it's common for the service to decline because there isn't enough budget to warrant the same amount of time input. And that is a terrible mistake because the relationship to begin with um, is often initiated off the back of a pitch or a, Mm. a prospecting meeting, which can cost the agency thousands. Hundreds of thousands sometimes. And yet we'll find ourselves in a situation where the budgets are reduced and we don't apply the same level of output during the course of a great relationship that we might do when we're trying to showboat and win a new customer. My thought on this is that we should always be paying attention to service levels and we should always be continuing to demonstrate added value and we should always make sure the levels of standards are exactly the same during the course of the relationship as they were when we were prospecting. Exactly. And if we were to translate that into very simple action, the mantra, as you called it at one time, treat your prospects like customers and your customers like prospects, is something that people should be able to remember. But even simpler than that, listen. Listen to your prospects, of course, because they're trying to understand them, but continue to listen to your clients, your customers, and really pay attention to what it is they're saying to you. Is that not the foundation of a good long-term relationship? Absolutely. In life as in business? Absolutely. Okay, so that, I think, is the summary of that point. What do you reckon? I like it, Paul. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Well, I hope people will take that away and find it useful. That was episode one or two of 168 things we've learned about creative marketing we think you'd find useful to know. We're going to be back with another one very shortly. And the topic for next time is there are more questions than answers. And those of you listening will know that that is the title of a song. Who was the artist who recorded that song? Don't answer, Chalice. I know you know the answer. (laughs) But there'll be a small prize for anyone who knows. What's the prize, Paul? It's very, very small. And there's only one, so it'll be the first person to come up with the correct answer. We'll get the small prize. (laughs) Okay? Great, okay. All right, well, I'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Bye now. Bye. 168 Things We've Learned About Creative Marketing and We Think You'll Find Useful to Know is a series of podcasts created by Paul Kitkat and Chalice Krogh. 
production was by William Kitkat, who also wrote the theme music. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. See you soon. Bye.